Listeners, over the past seasons, Indy and I have tried to do two things. The first was to look at BDSM through a number of layers. Symbols and meaning was our first season. Our second were looking at social structures like religion, archetypes and hierarchy. And our third season looked at BDSM through the layer of shame and effectiveness. The second thing we have explored is ourself. Through our rambles, we have documented our personal journey. And so we'd like to invite you to join us as we recap these episodes in their entirety. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to BDSM Reimagined. I'm Indy. I'm Michael. And this is Ramble. 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 I'm trying to make it like that, um, that racing car. You're live uh, tonight. Uh, Ramble. <laughs> no, not, not that. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> well, we've already started. This is great. That's right, listeners. We are just going to ramble because you know what? We're tired. We're tired. <laughs> <laughs> I know all of this topic and thinking about what mm. we say around a topic. Mm. And we're just going to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the end of the show, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been great listening um, to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> So, Michael, on a real note, (laughs) tell me where are you at? Tell me where you're at, man. Where you at? Yeah. (laughs) You don't know me. So I'm just feeling particularly exhausted. I am, I feel a little burnt out. That's what I should say. Ah. Again, it's this boredom and... It's not just boredom, but boredom, boredom is the first sort of thing that comes up when I try to look a bit more deeply. Um, and I'll go into like the context. It's in London, it's locked down, all that kind of stuff works a bit up and down. and rah, rah, rah. But I have just sort of, for s- somehow, I've, I'm, I'm looking for straight men all of a sudden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which has never... I mean, once in a while, yeah, the idea of a straight man is exciting, but that, that's, it's a fleeting thought for me. There's some people who, their whole life, some gay men their whole life, who just go out and seek straight men. You know, that's their sort of fetish. That's what they desire the most. Not me, indeed. Well, not until this week. <laughs> well, Michael, I'm just wondering, has it become an obsession? Is this something you're constantly <laughs> thinking about and wanting? An obsession? Oh, too soon. Don't put ideas in my mind. Um, <laughs> no, it's not an obsession. Well, no, actually, it is an obsession, but it's, I mean, that, that, it's a subjective term. That, I mean, after three months, that's my sort of rule. If I'm feeling something or I engage in a behavior for three months or more, that's when I need to really start panicking because that's when I think <laughs> it's fucked. All, all hell's broken loose. Oh. That's when I think all hell's broken loose. Mm. So I am on apps looking for straight men. And I'm honest, I'm, I say sub guy looking to worship straight men. I'm just thinking, what am I doing? I am 
33 years old. This is not where I saw myself 10 years ago. <laughs> the thing is, like, it's such an idea. It's such a concept in my head. I'm just wondering, I have a question. Why do you think you're seeking a straight man? What does he symbolise to you? What, is, what are the qualities that are attracting you? Why now? I'm just wondering about that. It seems that it comes from... I mean, it starts with trainers. Like, I want to worship straight men's trainers. That's the, let's be real. Let's be real here. Straight men's trainers. And <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I think uh. it's because it's just so absurd and it is so just odd and bizarre. And the thing is, I actually met a guy on the weekend, a straight guy. He actually was all, he was, he was for it. And I did meet him, and he ended up being in my room. He was laying down. He he had his headphones on. He had his headphones on? Yeah, I think he just wanted to shut out every experience possible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it's just like, I just want to get this over and done with. I think he was curious and open. He, he was, um, you know, considering my my predicament. Oh, poor, poor Michael. Poor, this poor guy. He's like really searching on these apps and begging. So I think 23-year-old, <laughs> yeah. really nice guy, really nice guy. Um, we were both quite nervous. He thought I'd be this weirdo. I thought he might jump me. You know, you, you're messing with men. Like, you're just messing with, you don't know. You know. And the area he came from in London was, is very rough. Anyway, so I ended up just, he laid back, and I just went for it on his trainings. <laughs> So you were able to unleash that part of yourself, Michael. That's right. And uh, I, I feel very fortunate for it. And See, if you were my sub, you wouldn't be unleashed. You'd be fully leashed while you were doing that. <laughs> <laughs> That's my two cents. Uh, yeah. How has your experience yeah. been lately? Yeah, I've been more kind of a bit in and out. There's a, a line or a circle drawn in the sand. I tend to just jump into the circle, play around, and then I jump out. And right now I'm just on the edges of the circle going, hmm, do I want to come back in today? Do I feel like playing? And inevitably what happens is I'll have, I'll have a whole lot of intense time with the DS dynamic. I then go into a stage where it's like, okay, that's, that's it, we're done. Like we've gone so intense and hardcore, we've got to stop. <laughs> so, so then it becomes more of a dom drop, which I'm getting better at. What do you mean by dom drop? Can you just explain? For me, the way I experience dom drops are once I've been accustomed to being the dominant <clears throat> and I'm very powerful for a while and I've got someone who's doing everything I want and all of my orders are being followed I end up feeling very much in control and good. When it all falls away, the drop I feel is that loss or that sense of craving for wanting that power back again. So that inevitably happens after the intense hardcore time. I'll go mm. into dom drop. And then following that, I just sort of completely forget about BDSM. I just go back to my usual life until I get interested again. And that's where I'm now, is I'm like this interested, but at the edge of the circle. 
yeah. How long do your drops tend to last? They used to be really intense and last for quite a while. And in fact, they were so bad that I would end up trying to just do more DOM stuff, just try and find subs online, just so that I could go back to the language of bow down, do this, yes, more, that kind of stuff. And so mm. uh, I've gotten increasingly better at noticing that this is how I drop and noticing that I I kind of forecast it to myself now a bit more where I'll know that, okay, it's getting all really intense you're burning out a bit or you're starting to burn out a lot, uh, expect that you'll have this drop. And that's really helpful because I think that, uh, as I say, it's been about a year that I've been in this, so it's it's taken a while for me to see what the patterns are. I think that we... <sighs> okay, so from, from the first level I listened to this, I think... Oh, you're on the you're on the circle, and that's completely normal. You know, you go in a bit, you go out. That's absolutely fine. That's absolutely normal. But what I know personally from that experience, and also from what I know about you, is that it's not actually that the experience shouldn't be seen through that lens of oh, this is normal, and it is normal, <laughs> which is the irony. It's actually a painful experience, and it's it's frustrating to be in and out and then you think this is not you, this is anyone. And then I think I'm in and I'm, yeah, this is it, this is it. And then it goes a bit wrong and it's very frustrating and it just plays around a lot with my feelings, where I think I'm at. Is what do you it, mean by what, that? What do you mean it so, plays around with your feelings and where you're at? Well, I'm confident that I'm in a submissive dynamic and it will last and then something oh. goes wrong and then I'm like, oh, now it's gone, it's strange and I need to communicate more and, it, it just it seems to be a relationship you know that's what relationship is but i don't know i just think is it causing more suffering than actual pleasure or what's the aim here are we trying to stay in that space what's the aim indeed <laughs> <laughs> i i have a an answer for where i'm at with it currently so what i look, no, look at it as is <laughs> I know, I always know, don't I? That's why I'm doing it. Uh, so what, where I'm at with that is I feel it's really healthy, really, really healthy for me to be coming in and out of the circle. Because when I'm in the circle, other parts of my life tend to fall away somewhat and my focus tends to be more on planning the next session or considering the session that's just happened, creative, imaginative kinds of processes in my mind, i.e. when I'm in the circle, other parts of my life shrink and this amplifies. And so I think it's really healthy I get burnt out and then I jump out of the circle again because it's re-establishing balance. It's re-establishing priorities. I have other spheres in my life that if I were to neglect for too long could be, you know, could be damaged. So I, I'm starting to increasingly be of the view that it's healthy, even when it feels annoyingly, oh, you know, here I am again. It's actually just part of the cycle because I don't see BDSM as a complete refuge 
increasingly I'm starting to understand that it has props and parts of escape or of freedom or even of just rest. And so I feel good when I'm in it for those things. Like, for example, being the unconflicted dom. When I'm in that space, my head feels a lot clearer. I feel really sure, direct. So, for example, I could become that unconflicted dom with the certainties and a lot of direction in my thinking and straightforwardness. And so that feels like a reprieve from the usual kinds of ways my mind is, which is considering lots of different viewpoints or conflicted with all sorts of things going on. And so somewhat it's, it's good. It's good to be in the realm of BDSM and have a break from that. But it's with awareness I know I'm, I'm having a break from reality here because the reality is that I'm not an unconflicted individual. I do have deep inner conflicts in myself. <laughs> And even whilst I'm in BDSM, I'm conflicted. So even whilst I am playing, <clears throat> there are times where there's the reprieve. I'm not fully in reprieve. And so that's, in a, sh in a short way, coming back to your point, I think that that's what I mean by it's healthy and being in and out of the circle can feel annoying, but on another level, actually, it's part of how it is. It just is like this. No, that makes sense. I, I think what I'm wanting is I'm trying to grasp onto certainty, which is such a sub thing to do. Grasp on something that won't be changed. That is something that's kind of permanent, you know, static. And that's, um, and that, as I said at the start, makes sense because at the time, right now, there are certain conditions which are amplifying my restlessness. You know the in London at this moment of recording, the gyms aren't open, lockdowns in force, you can't meet certain people, you can't go into households, you can't go to cinemas, you can't do anything besides... And I'm lucky that I go into into a place of work. I don't have to work from home, so I'm lucky with that. But Which is huge, Michael. Can't understate that. So the spheres in your life in London compared to the spheres I can access here in Australia very different. So yeah, I can see what you mean. The conditions are very different for you. And that's it. So that I'm wanting something more certain. But it's interesting how at this point I'm turning to a straight man fetish. <laughs> well, again, I'm wondering what is it about? So you said straight, uh, if you said trainers, but what about straight men? I think it's a creative turn in my imagination. Or it's a creative leap back, if you will, to a childhood where straight men symbolized the real quote. It was absolutely absurd. And mark my words, I have been in the presence of what I consider real men when I actually sit down and think. And these real men are completely opposite to these stereotypes. These men are emotionally sensitive. They are they're compassionate, they're caring. Their leaders in a very different way than the macho muscle kind of thing. In any case, my younger life, you know, these straight men were the real men, complete men. And being gay, I've never felt that. Or at least the, my, in my developmental years, I've never felt 
like a whole man. Which again is absurd because when I actually sit down and think about this, I'm thinking, no, I think I've got more than enough. <laughs> I, I feel like I, no, no, I feel like I, I definitely have qualities of what I think many men should have. Okay, so there is a, an incongruence here because on one level you're searching for a straight man with a massive disclaimer that you don't see this macho kind of stereotype as a real man, but there's a part of you mm -hmm. that does. And there's the conflict there as well with, uh, well, actually, I when I step back and look at it, it's great. It's he hearing your confidence in yourself that you're, you do. And I agree with you. You embody some really great qualities as a man. So it's it seems like it's linked to this period of time in London with all of the ways in which maybe you can't enact out the usual identity of yourself as a man. Yeah, that, that could be something. And therefore seeking to a more regressed version of, you know, masculinity as such. I find it quite interesting. I, I'm, and I, I think you said this in a few episodes, I'm investing in a lot more sports kit and trainers and stuff. Like I'm really opening that door to myself of just, you know, I've got a bit of money in the bank now, <laughs> you know, to I mean, I don't go out, I, I don't do, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I don't spend money. Like people would go out on the weekend and spend 100, 200 pounds on, on alcohol and whatnot. I've never done that. 200 pounds. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> this is your thrifty side coming out so again. <laughs> this is my, that's right. Yeah, exactly. This is my, I'm indulging a lot more. As I think I'm more as I'm unfolding as a sub and what my interests are. I'm allowing myself to be fashioned literally in in my own interests so i bought this like adidas shirt the other day i bought two actually <laughs> but they're on special <laughs> <laughs> however i'm just wondering again because pre-pandemic london you could be out expressing your masculinity yourself your manhood you your identity enacting it in all sorts of ways out in the gym with friends, uh, going to some opera, whatever it is that you do. I don't know. Uh -huh. I'm just taking guesses opera, here. Opera, masculinity, what kind of regressed ma masculine <laughs> archetype are you looking at? <laughs> well, I mean, you like, you like, well, it's a refinement. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rock concert, come on. <laughs> so, though, I think that it's, it's interesting that maybe you've got this kind of Adidas type of scenario going on along with seeking these straight men when you don't really have spaces in which you can be yourself outside of what it just sounds like the pandemic in London is you just be home or be at work or at the shopping sh supermarket that and also a pay rise <laughs> <laughs> I do think that what you're saying does contribute to some degree definitely Indy, you mentioned yeah. recently, off air. Oh, what's this going to be? Yeah, all right. That you're getting a bit more interested in becoming a dominatrix. I would love to take that next step. <laughs> yeah, I'm really thinking about it con and considering it seriously. Mm. 
I just don't know where to go next. I have contacted the dominatrix here in Sydney to get some mentoring. Wow. And some sense of how to begin. What's appealing to this is actually not at all the money. Let me just put in huge disclaimers. I've, in my profession, with what I do, I'm quite comfortable. So I don't really care about the money. What I care about is actually the psychology and how people tick. I'm so fascinated about it. And I really want to know on an intimate, deeper level with submissive men or women, I don't mind. I just, I'd love to be able to find out more about how people express their submissive side, what deep fantasies they have, getting to know them more, linking it back to who they are. Because the work I've been doing for 15 years, don't get me wrong, it's exciting, there's still lots more to learn, but it's only a particular part of the human psychology. And I feel like there's so much that's missing because I don't do uh, I don't do sex therapy. And so and I didn't I don't think I'd want to do sex therapy because I think the presenting issues there are more understandably difficulties with in the sexual realm. Whereas becoming a dominatrix, I feel like what that would do is open huge doors to understand people on an entirety that I don't currently and myself. I think you would do so well, to be honest. And I think you have the conditions in your life. You know, I think you can move in in that direction quite easily. It's hard work to become a dominatrix or a master or any of that that thing because you're competing with a whole online market. You have to. I mean, I've I've tried it, but loosely. You have to take pictures of yourself sitting down in a certain way. And then maybe it's the seventh picture that works. Or it isn't, so you keep taking photos and then you have to really amplify parts of yourself like, oh, little slaves should be worshipping me now. And you really have to push this persona. So that's exhausting. And you need to keep an online presence. Actually, something I have done. You're right with the online thing. I, I don't really have this need or want to amplify myself. I just want to be myself as a dom. So what I've done is started to think about, well, what else could I do? And so I applied for a job (laughs) as a phone sex operator. Yes. (laughs) Never never went through with that. Oh, okay. Well, that was the biggest (laughs) anticlimax I've ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was because of the ethics of it. I I couldn't do it because of the ethics. Can you say more? Essentially... Yeah, these people are part of a big organisation on pornography websites. There's a pop-up window that might come and say, chat with live girls now. And the whole premise is that you have to pretend to be in the area of the man that you're chatting with. So you have to actively lie and say, oh, yeah, I'm also in whoop whoop, just near the coast, something just to kind of make it seem like you're really there, when actually you're not. And also the other premise is these men have an expectation that they could meet you at some point. And so you have to keep putting that off. So I just didn't like that at all. The parts that did attract me, though, was that you could speak to any man anywhere who's obviously horny and trying to find someone 
that might start a conversation with uh, their fantasies. It's amazing how this whole arena of BDSM is to create illusion, anticipation, suspense, mystery, opportunity, and yet those ones, the illusion, as you're always creating illusions, but the illusion that you're near and the illusion that you might be able to meet, those are the ones that you, you don't actually resonate with. It's like, no, that's actually going a step too far. Is it not all part of the scene or part of the magic? Well, not for me. Um, I, I'd really prefer to be honest. And I would agree. I would agree. I just was, I was trying to play devil's advocate, but you, <laughs> you got me. I cut you down, then. You cut me, you cut me down. <laughs> but that's a step closer. I mean, there was a podcast recently. I can't remember the show. There was a woman who was on a, who was a phone operator, and she had to search around to find the most ethical company to work with. But, yeah, I, I yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, and I think as well the other draw card with it is that it's people who have a lot of safety because they're online, so they're anonymous and it's just a voice or it's just an online chat feature. So there's more scope to be able to really drop down walls and really talk about their deepest, darkest fantasies. Darkest in the the best way possible, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Like quicksand or... (laughs) <laughs> yeah or what chickens or <laughs> yeah that's right Indy and I referencing past podcasts of ours and other podcasts that we thought were particularly interesting the types of fetishes presented Indy I I don't know actually I'm going back I'm going back ship is that the expression what's that mean? <laughs> It's not. <laughs> I... <laughs> I wonder what the actual expression is. <laughs> talking about. I'm turning back. One I'm going I'm 180. You're turning back. Uh-huh. Because I am struggling with me talking to people and I feel it's keeping me away from making deeper connections with a loved one. It's to make connections with people I'm actually here around that that are around me intimately you mean friendships no romantic lovers lovers oh well you know my position on that i should i say my (laughs) (laughs) ultimately Uh, from my own experience relationships end up becoming annoying okay this is yeah they start off i'm talking to a burnt out I'm a burnt out husk of a woman. Oh. <laughs> uh, in terms of relationships. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like the grass always seems greener on the other side. I've, I had an experience, I think, I don't know, about three months ago or something, where I walked around my the area where I live, there's traffic lights and I'm waiting at a traffic light. There's this couple and they're all over each other and they're sort of like, oh, I love you and oh, mooty, mooty, smooch. <laughs> And I was so jealous. I thought, oh, man, I really want that. I just really wish that I had a relationship. How nice it feels to be hugged. And even last night, I'll be completely honest with you. Last night, I just wanted hugs. 
I, I even thought of setting up a profile on an app saying, hugs, just want hugs. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a part of me that gets very stirred up. But then that same day where I was walking was to the supermarket. I get there, another couple in the shopping aisles, quibbling and arguing about something to do with the laundry detergent. And I just heard this and I thought, oh, my God, oh, thank God I'm not in that. <laughs> They're going to go home and have some sort of argument and it's about those little subtle things, the daily life stuff that shreds away at your soul. <laughs> so, <laughs> Who hurt you, indeed? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was a co-created. I was also in those relationships. I wasn't just hurt. I hurt. Mm. I was also part of the dynamic and that's the thing is i think that yeah on one level i hear you on the other level i just think yeah but relationships end up becoming a mix of enjoyment and horror (laughs) indeed is everything okay (laughs) (laughs) unless you find someone who that's what i'm trying to think is and again is this just completely idealistic but what i would want I know exactly what I want. It's someone who does not want to change me at all. I think I understand the sentiment, but I just think that that is so (laughs) fundamental. It's so like black and white because we need to be in, like we need to be changed in some ways. Oh, we are butting heads. Can I just say, can I just say, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I'm going to say something then because, oh, what do you mean? I can decide when I want to change. You, you don't ask me, oh, there's this way that you do the pan where you clean. Can you do it? In- no, I'm going to clean the pan how I want. Fuck you. I mean, F you. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell. But I'm still a bit raw in terms. This is an interesting story. There's a story behind this pan. I, you know what I'm learning, and here's maybe a, a compromise. I'm, I'm making an effort to meet you halfway, Indy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, over the years, are becoming more confident in who I am and what I want. And now I have, I've got this Instagram kink account where I'm, you know. I'm just showing videos of me taking my trainers on and off, nothing else, you know. So that's something I really enjoy doing. And I I have likes and and followers. And um, I've met someone, I'm dating someone, and they know that part of me already. It's not something that I'm hiding. They know that if they want to be with me, that this is something which is going to be this is, this is a part of me and it's in the relationship. And that is something which I did not do partly because I was ashamed, partly because I didn't know what I was exactly into in, in the past. So now it's like, this is what I do. This is what I'm interested in. All the start, all the front. And then we, we can enter into a relationship because I don't want to hide something. I don't want to bring it in three months down the track, three years down the track. Oh, do you like trainers? Or, oh, do you mind if I actually have this Instagram account or I don't want to bring that in later on because I'm denying what I'm, what I'm into. Hmm. So yeah, I understand that just being upfront. 
figure out. How does that address the whole toxic nature of relationships, though? Because <laughs> na- relationships become toxic. I mean, they, for for a whole number of reasons, but partly because people don't bring up, they don't know their fantasies. They might not have a sensitivity towards fantasies, which is fine, but they don't bring it up, or they don't they don't talk about it, and then it becomes this whole other part of them that takes on a life of its own, i.e going on chat rooms and da, da 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 and then seeing other people and so it's all about yeah. being honest with what you like <clears throat> yeah. being and that I mean when I say just be honest with what you like that's a whole journey you need some people need to get past the shame find like-minded people you know it's a whole process of coming to terms with things that you like and not feeling bad about it, it could take years yeah and maybe sometimes it can't ever happen yeah. that you can get there. I depending on the fantasy. I've know a friend who has been asked to dress up as a woman. I mean, this is nothing new. This is this uh-huh. is justification, so nothing new. Yeah, yeah. So straight guy wants to meet a friend of mine, and my friend has to dress up in a dress and stockings and pretend to be a quote girl, and then he will. Uh, um, pleasure this straight guy and i'm just thinking that, i mean I, I i love that like go for it you don't have to think too much about it you know it's it's great it's fantastic but on this show we like to look at things a bit deeper and i i think that this straight guy has an attraction to men and by making my friend dress up as a woman I mean, it's quite to an extent. Yeah. It's it's a balaclava. It's a wig. It's black stockings that cover up above the leg. It's a dress that covers the body. This this straight guy is perhaps editing everything about this individual that's manly. Whilst wow, that's really fascinating. Whilst actually having the sexual act of being with a man. It's it reminds me so much of the lady boys in Thailand. So I, I lived in Thailand for a period of time and my hairdresser was a ladyboy. Loved him, loved her. And anyway, uh, yeah, you would see, because it's, it's such, this, this, it's the sex capital of the world. And you'd see men with ladyboys and it, it just, it, it hits the same notes, I think, because you've got someone who physically looks a lot like a female. Uh, in that instance, it's more physically looks like a female. So there doesn't have to be the editing and covering up, like the blacking out. Yeah, and so you're saying that maybe that there's uh, an attraction to men there. Yeah, as well as women. That can only... Oh, go on. As well as women, yeah. Yeah. Well, an attraction to men, women might be there, but to men also. And so only being able to really approach that attraction with layers on it, that's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's amazing. I, I love that, and I think it's beautiful. And I and, and I think participating in it is, is, is such a celebration as well. I do often wonder about pegging which as an act when you're a female with a male. Yeah, I do. It just crosses my mind. Is there a part of this man who's attracted to the masculine energies? I mean, there must be. I mean, there's so much sensation in that area. Listeners at home, pegging is when a female would wear a strap on and penetrate the male through his anus. There's so much sensation in that area, and I don't think sensation necessarily discriminates 
towards a sex towards a, a sexuality as such like the anus is a, is has got so many nerve systems going on it's just a i mean i actually don't like to bottom at all i don't like the feeling but for some men it's just a pleasurable feeling but i do agree that there are we can't escape the masculine energy which would penetrate with force and at a, a speed and all that kind of thing i think there is a masculine energy behind that which is also desired by men who enjoy pegging yeah and i love it i love it so much because i just think well i have that masculine energy and it actually maybe it's not even masculine energy maybe it's my feminine energy coming out in a particular way because absolutely triple underlined as a female i am strong i am powerful and so that's what i love about it's one of the core things for me about playing around as a dom is harnessing living out playing out entering into the doorways of those parts of ourselves that we split as masculine feminine but actually there's so much more there than that simplified dichotomy i think that it's a shame that we only have those two words at the moment to describe more accurately what we're trying to say because it's hard to find that because i agree maybe it's why is it masculine and it's got such a male orbit around that word it's just like oh, male gravity around that word it's just such a shame that that's confined it's simplified I actually agree so Michael I think this is a wrap it's been great to ramble with you yes you too I'm looking forward to the next time thanks everyone bye bye Reimagined takes a deep look into the world of kink. Follow along as both a psychologist and an experienced practitioner walk through the world of adventurous play. We would also like to remind listeners that this show contains explicit sexual references, so it's only suitable for adults. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Let's get ready to ramble. Ramble, rambles. Woo! That was, that was all right. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, let's get ready rum- to talk. Rumble, ramble. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Indy, <laughs> clap. You recently... Ow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you want another one? <laughs> oh, gosh. This is... This is good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) How is it in sunny Australia? Oh, it's fantastic over here. We're moving. We are moving into autumn. There was a week where we had a bunch of rain, but at the moment it's gorgeous. It's mostly just gorgeous around here. I'm hanging up. I can (laughs) call you when it's grey and depressing. I'll I'll speak to you in three years then. Yes. <laughs> Why so curious about Sydney? Well, because London, London. <laughs> <laughs> that answers it, doesn't it? In one word. <laughs> because London is still in lockdown. I think we have mm. a month left before 
some things can open. Uh, it's just, you know what? Oh, my God. Oh. What is, what's actually going on? I don't even understand. <laughs> what do you mean by lockdown? There's this thing <laughs> called coronavirus. It uh, started around two years ago. I don't know if you, if you remember. A year ago. December, no, January, Mar- yeah, sorry, March 20. Oh. Is when it, yeah, yeah. lockdowns began March 2020, so a year ago, but yeah, the first virus was a year and three months ago. Mm. Something like that. So what is it? What's your day to day life? Can you go dancing? Dancing? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, just to let you know, this is a ramble episode. There's no actual script here. We're not going <laughs> to be talking about anything specific. <laughs> We do have some things to talk about, but there's nothing to serioscos, is what you'd say in Australia. <laughs> we never talk like that. We never talk like that. Get the didgeridoo. You've been <laughs> away far too long. I don't know oh, what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> you just add it's O at the true. end of everything. Huh? We abbreviate everything. Abbreviate. Unless that's an abbreviation. Give an example. Darrow. Darrow. See, it has the O. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. tell me about lockdown. I don't understand because over here in Australia, we're pretty much out of the whole thing. Uh, we, we can't. There's no restaurants, no bars, no hairdressers, no cafes. You can get takeaway coffees. Everything is, is Deliveroo and, and Uber, like everything you... If you want a meal from a restaurant, you have to get it delivered to your door. Mm. And it's soggy, <laughs> cold. And uh, we can't meet, technically we can't meet people outside the home. You have to work from home unless you have to go in. And even that, you know, that's quite something. So how and many people can you meet? None. We can, on Monday, well, on Monday, we can meet six people out of home for a short period, something like that. That's probably three. It's been three months since we're allowed to do that. Well, this might be a good time to mention that a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> I went to a swingers club. <laughs> wow. Yes, I remember you mentioning this, I think, in the last rambles. Maybe not. Maybe it was off air. to know. But anyway, you went to a swingers club. What's tell me, tell me. <laughs> I can I I'm getting more of an understanding how deprived your life is. My God. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm not trying to make light of that. It sounds really tough. <laughs> you laughed when you I said that. I can't believe a mixed message. I know I'm giving a mixed message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you're talking I just think, what? Because everything's so much more normal here. And to the point where, yeah. I was in a swingers club. People were having sex with each other. It was a big group. I think there were about 100 people there. That blows my mind. How many? 100. God. Didgeridos. (laughs) I'm trying to to keep up. I'm going to keep this Australian accent. I'm going to get it back by the end of this episode. So you went to the swingers club. Okay, is this your... Indios, is this... I'm going to stop that. Indy, is this your first time (laughs) to a swingers club? Oh, Yeah. I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> as you well know, Michael, prior to my kink coming out, I was as vanilla as they get. <laughs> I would have been outraged by the idea of a swingers club. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was my first time. I did go with a submissive. 
we weren't in role, unfortunately. We just were ourselves, which in itself was, yeah, you know, still good. So the reason why I went was because I was extremely curious. It's been something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I did get close once years ago when I met up with some guy from the internet who was also into swinging and I thought, I'll go with you, yes. And then when I met him, not at all attracted, had some creepy vibes. Creepy vibes. Yeah. So then I didn't (laughs) follow through, which I was very disappointed at. Mm. Anyway, so it all came together and when we got there, it's on this main road and just off the side there's this black door and you press the intercom and they say, are you here here for the event? Are you here for the event? It's like, yes, (laughs) come on in. So then we go inside and there's this big black curtain with a man standing behind the counter and he says to us, have you got your tickets? I show him the tickets and he's like, oh, welcome. Yes, you're here for the swingers newbie night. Oh, it was a newbie night. It was a newbie night because I am a newbie. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's, he's very chill and relaxed, which just helps me because internally I'm really having a bit of a meltdown. (laughs) He was the dom for me at that moment. Anyway, he does this tour. He says there's three levels. There's Sandy, she'll show you around. And so the two of us walk in into this middle level. You walk into the middle level. And it's just like any other club, small little club. There's a bar, pool table, chairs, music playing. So you walk into the level that feels somewhat familiar. And then we go up with Sandy to level three. And level three is this huge long room divided into two on one side are three huge four-poster beds lined up in open space and the back wall is this massive what she described as orgy bed. In the middle of this big space is a a shower, a massive shower and some lockers, just open-aired shower. And then the other side of this big space is three closed-doored rooms with a bed inside, a double bed, and there's a system. She described to us that if the door's closed, don't knock, don't enter. If the door's open with a chain closing the space, then you're welcome to look. If the door is open with no chain, then you're welcome to ask to join or go into the room and start using the room if it's empty. So I'm listening to all of this going, oh, my God. This is fantastic. (laughs) What's going to happen? Like at this point in time, it's early on into the night. This event's going to go until 3 a.m. And I have all these questions for Sandy. Like how does it start happening? You're one of those, you know, like big eyes, glasses. on. We were in glasses. Like the the eager beaver. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What does this button do? (laughs) (laughs) Don't press that. And then we go down to the last level, the third level, the downstairs dungeon. Just by the tone of your voice, I could tell that you were excited. The dungeon was amazing. I loved it down there. Dark, red lights, this big X-frame and a whole lot of toys, this big long bench where you could lie down a sub and slap their ass. 
you know. <laughs> anyway, because it was a newbie night, I wasn't expecting much from down in the dungeon. And so what we did next was we went back up to the middle level where there was the bar and it was then it got into this very weird social exchanges part of the night where, keep in mind, we're all there at a swingers event knowing that the likelihood is that we want to have sex with other people. So whenever I spoke to anyone or anyone spoke to me, I didn't know if there was this very direct implicit message that, hey, I want to have sex with you or I'm open to the idea of having sex with you, so I'll talk with you more. So it was a very different kind of thing to a regular bar where some of that's definitely there but not as explicit. So we met some people. We did meet a couple we were attracted to. And as the night progressed, just as Sandy had promised, people started to walk upstairs or downstairs and action began. So when I went upstairs, there were two women going for it on one of the four poster beds. That was one of the first things that started happening. The other little rooms were taken up with people doing stuff, having sex, and it just built and built and built until there was just more and more going on. At one point, I changed out of my dress into my dom gear, which I'd brought with me, and that's when I had the highlight of the night, to be honest, <laughs> where I was walking around as a dom, went down to the dungeon with my sub, and we actually did a – we enacted a bit of a scene. I recall you saying that you, when you when you got changed, you were fearless. You were like, yeah, you had you didn't care about any, you you didn't have any insecurities. Is that true? Yeah, I didn't. I to get changed, it was out in the open aired locker area. I zipped down my dress. I was completely naked. Whatever. There were a few people actually directly looking at me, and I just was like, yep. And I didn't at all feel insecure. No. I was just really in a buzz of excitement and wanting to do more and wanted to start working the room and approaching people and getting into some play. Yeah, so when I went down to the dungeon with my sub, we were down there with, I think the, there was a group of others there that were all milling about. And it's a newbie night, remembering that, that, some people had taken out some of we were as we went down there were some people that had taken out some of the toys and there was a girl holding a whip and she was she was with a guy and he said oh slap my ass and she just did the slightest touch of a slap and i saw it and i just thought this is a an outrage that you would just slightly touch someone with a whip that's not getting whipped and then he took he was like oh ha 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 and then he took the whip and slapped her ass just as lightly. And so I couldn't handle it anymore. I stepped in and I said, I leant against the wall and I said, slap my ass. And he did very light. And I said, do it harder than that. And he did it like slightly harder. And I said, harder, harder. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up going for it, which was great. It was a really good moment. Um, that sounds really hot. Yeah. Did, did, were people gathering and watching and, and everything? Yeah, there were people around. There was, I think, maybe three couples and in the central kind of area and then there were people around the periphery as well who, who were there and saw work. But then that really ignited my dominant side and I didn't feel like getting slapped on the ass anymore. I wanted to do some stuff. So I approached my sub and I just asked him quietly in his ear, do you mind if I play with you? And he's like, yep, go for it. 
So I actually pulled him by his hair. I grabbed his hair and I said, get over here. And I pulled him over to the X bar, strapped him in. <laughs> and then I went over to this big cabinet where there are all the toys and I go, go through it and I choose what I want. And there's sure enough people watching us doing all of this. On the sidelines is a couple, a man and a woman sitting very close by the X bar. And the guy starts saying, yeah, go for it. Do it to him. Do it to him. And my sub is saying, oh, why is he saying that? And so in my Dom role, I say to that guy on the sideline, shut up. (laughs) 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 Otherwise, I'm going to whip you. And then I'm even swearing at him. And I said, you just shut the F up. And I, I was fully in the role. I can't believe how easy it was. I've never done anything public before. But I was in there slapping my, my sub, you know, had him strapped down, yelling at him. There were some people on the other side of us who were getting sexually aroused, and I could tell because their pants were down. <laughs> I could see it happening. <laughs> and so it was all very intoxicating and incredible. And I kept going for a a while longer (laughs) (laughs) until I just felt like, I felt like that, okay, that's it now. And I got my sub down from the X bar and, you know, yeah. But then I, I think there was then a difference between my sub and I in, in the levels of interest to take anything further. I was very interested. I wanted to go and play with a whole lot of people. He was just in whatever space where it wasn't something he wanted to do. And we did come together and we were going to leave together. So unfortunately, I then left. There was a big change, actually, that happened to you afterwards. I recall you telling me that you wanted to stop being called or seen as goddess and that you wanted to be called, what was it? Your Highness. Your Highness? That wasn't what you yeah. said. That's the one I ultimately came to. Oh, I see. What was the other one? Mistress, wasn't it? No, no, not Mistress. What? No. Am I talking to a different indie? <laughs> <laughs> Your Highness. Your Majesty? What are you? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know which one I told you. Well, just to give you a bit of context here, I don't like Mistress because there's connotations of someone who manages a house a mistress is someone who manages a house and i'm like i don't for me that's not something that has enough power and sway in it your highness on the other hand has connotations of neither male nor female your highness could be a king or a queen and then we're stepping into the next very good bit here king or queen of some kind of castle palace complete land governing and sovereign to a whole lot of pe- whole load of people. That's the kind of power I want to tap into. Your Highness, I, I didn't know that you settled on that. I just, I've not heard that pronoun being said. Is that a common one you've seen? No, no, I haven't seen it. So you want subs to regard you as Your Highness? <laughs> when I, because I, what I've realised is that the goddess persona is more of a part of me that seeks worship, will ask for offerings, 
has a gentler side. Like you might think with a goddess, there's the compassion as well as the the majestic. The great uh, mother. That's how greatness. I see it. Yeah. yeah, the great mother. There's, there's a nurturing side to a goddess. I think you can't really escape from at least being seen as somewhat loving or kind. I wanted to do away with that. <laughs> <laughs> Off with her head. <laughs> so as a queen, because you can be called my queen, I think that's a more common form, but I don't like queen because that's feminizing the dominant persona. I don't even want to be a queen. I want to be your highness, androgynous, bi- non-binary. Don't refer to me as male or female. <laughs> and the other part of this persona that I'm actually just really beginning to step into is like a bitch. She knows what she wants and you better fucking do it now. <laughs> <laughs> I love and she, it, yes. She only emerged after I'd been to the swingers because I think it gave me a full, a fuller set of confidence in myself. It, it doing that public display, I didn't realize how much I would love that. But also, I'm going through some other things in my life right now in which I'm recognizing that I don't take up the space of the dominant as much as I could. And so, I'm creating this persona who is so entitled so sure of what she wants, so aware of her power and steps goddamn well into that power Mm. and has everyone anywhere at the slightest slap of her finger doing everything she wants. That's what I want to tap into. But you want balance as well, though. You can't be other. That sounds like a tyrant, that that, uh, uh, monstrous tyrant. (laughs) Balance? (laughs) (laughs) That's not fantasy. (laughs) <laughs> Indy, I don't know if you realize when you lifted your arm up, you laughed balance, your tattoo re- revealed. And oh, it says yeah. equanimity, which is all about balance. <laughs> <laughs> As a digression, should I tell the story about the tattoo? Go or on. do you want to tell the story? <laughs> How you, when you got it. Yeah. And your reaction to it. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Go on, do a quick, a quick 60 second one. Okay. So I got this tattoo in the lead up to getting it. I was really sure I wanted to get equanimity. For those who aren't so familiar with that term, equanimity is about wisely seeing life for how it is, having balance, being skillful, but mainly it's about seeing life for how it is, not how you want it to be. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was really convic- convicted about, yeah, I want to get this tattoo. I'm going to get this on my arm. So I get this on my arm. I'm in Thailand. I get this recommendation about this tattoo artist and I'm, I'm there getting my tattoo done. And then pretty much instantaneously, I had the biggest regret I've ever experienced in my entire life. Yeah. I completely regretted getting the tattoo to the extent <laughs> where I, beca- I became obsessive about re- researching tattoo removal. <laughs> this was all while I'm in Thailand on a holiday. I, I threw away the whole, I don't, I don't care if I'm in Chiang Mai, I need to go on the internet and find out how to remove tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I called my sister in tears mm. multiple times. I think I contacted you as well. You kept saying, 
I just can't stop seeing it. It's so obvious. It's so there. I can't stop seeing it. And you're crying. It was like. <laughs> so the irony is that a tattoo of this nature, the tattoo itself is about accepting things for how they are. Yeah. And I was not <laughs> accepting a permanent tattoo. <laughs> for what it was. <laughs> yeah. For what it was, which is permanent. Anyway, it took a few years. <laughs> I it, did got take, it actually did take a few years. <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah. I remember, so, I yeah. remember wake, I'd wake up and see my arm and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that. And then my whole day would be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was so, a digression. Sorry. So on this topic of tattoos sticking and labels sticking, <laughs> I'm in a current place where I'm thinking of my own personal label. Hmm. Mm, okay. I'm thinking of myself more as a jock. Now, me and you know, we've studied Buddhism for several years and we know, we've said this many times in this podcast, but labels are, da are there's a danger to labels. And even the, the conversation of, am I Dom? Am I sub? And using these words are problematic in themselves, but but there is, there is an importance to it in particular moments in your life. So I've been stepping more into the persona of the jock title, which is this American, I don't know why it's American, but that's where you, that's what I associate the jock to, this American college guy that kind of gets what he wants, the sporty dude and kind of muscular, but just like, also like a fuck boy and just has sex with all the girls and everything like that. Like I, I find that really attractive the bad boy kind of thing. I'm smiling. I'm so like, in my own, <laughs> that didn't take long for me <laughs> to get all smiley about it and giddy. Are you blushing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I've got a kink Instagram account and uh, part of my username is jock. And I, and I'm, and the reason I chose that is because not only am I attracted to it, but it seems to be in the gay world as as many labels as the bear, the cub, the otter, the wolf, it's amazing how these are all animals, by the way, or most of them. Um, so, wait, can we just pause there? Because for some of us, yeah. I mean, I know I've had this conversation with you, but what is the bear, the otter? Oh, goodness. Okay, so bear is a, quite a larger man with hair, body hair, mm -hmm. mostly everywhere. Big beard. They're not interested in this big muscle stuff. That's bear. Otter is a younger version of that. Not too chubby, but still a bit of chub. Not so much hair. And then a cub is like a younger one, or it could be bear, cub, otter. I think it's that way. Wolf is kind of mm. like a skinny version, not muscle, not lean, but just kind of skinny and sort of still a bit hairy. This is a wolf. That's the wolf. And wait a minute, are you saying W O L F or W O O F? W O L F. Okay. Yeah. And then there's the boy next door. There's the college jock. Oh. There's um, Latino was one of them. But there's a whole bunch of subcategories and you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, what what is good about that is that you find a community that you feel you belong to. If you're a bear, you can see other people who look the same, have the similar interests in what they look like and what they do. And there's something about that community which is very nice about labels like that. But then again. There's something problematic, which is if you don't feel that you are, that you belong in a community, that you're 
you range across more, it's hard to find a group of people that you feel, even though logically you may be connected to, but feel you connected to might be a bit of a struggle. For me, that that's quite a big thing. I really struggle in knowing, I really struggle in uh, identif- having a strong identity of who I am. Mm. So what's the struggle for you? Why? Partly it's because people contact me and say, oh, wow, you look like this, this, and this, and this. So it's like... Which is what? Which is what? You look like what? Uh, you, you know, you look like a, you look like, um, a jock. Uh, you look like a dom. Like I've been, I've, I've, I get many messages a lot saying, oh, you're so dominant. You look so dominant. I can't believe you're a sub. You should be a dom. There's, you know, you have to be the dom. Like, I, I just get so much of that. There's a lot of, um, why are you smiling, Indy? Do you not think I look like a dom? How dare you? <laughs> no, no. The thing is, I'm laughing because I'm laughing at your predicament. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh. It must be so annoying. It's very annoying. It's very annoying. Uh, and do, uh, don't be wrong. Don't be wrong. <laughs> don't be wrong. <laughs> what is it? And don't get don't, me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not going to edit this. Uh, I, I am dominant in some ways. And sometimes I'm really aroused being dominant and I've played that role genuinely. So it's, uh-huh. it doesn't not exist. I'm not a switch. See, this is the problem with labels. I'm not a switch, but I'm not a Dom yet. I pl- I can play and sometimes feel Dom. So this is, I think this is the beginning of what people who struggle with gender identity go through. And I'm not going to even uh-huh. go n- near the, that struggle because that is, difficult if you're born in a body that you don't feel is your gender i cannot even begin to imagine how the the journey you must go through in your life to try and resolve that in whatever way you see is resolved i mean hands to you and that's that's a big thing so just coming back it's i i get a lot of feedback that i'm dominant and that i'm jocular if that's a word it is now (laughs) inside yeah of course it's jocular I'm just going to mute you. Uh, <laughs> but inside, even though I post pictures of myself being kind of like a dom and jocular, <laughs> I have the oh. Adidas top. I got my trainers. I'm pointing it to the camera. I got this kind of like bad boy attitude going on because I find this image so attractive. I feel like I'm an imposter because I don't really feel like a jock. So why are you doing it? Because I find it so attractive. Because it's also what I look like. So I don't understand that. I really want to understand that bit, though. So you find it attractive, but if you're doing it, what, are you attracted to yourself? (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Me. Me. (laughs) There's a bit in Family Guy where Julie Roberts comes on and says, a lot of people died in East Timor today, but don't worry. I didn't. Me. Me. And she's like, ah, she goes crazy. Look it up. Julia Roberts, family guy. But why do I do it? Um, it's a very good question. I think the better question is, what would I do instead? Oh, God, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Should I even be here? That's right. 
You've been wanting to mute me. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. But no, keep going. I'm interested. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I... That's the thing. I don't know what else I would, I would put up. But, okay, this is going to be big-headed, and I know that I've been told by certain people to tone it down a bit. <laughs> have some modesty, be humble. It's certain people. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, to have <laughs> to be modest, to be humble. I've got an image. <laughs> it's look okay. I'm. I find myself attractive. There you go. I said it. I think I'm attractive. <laughs> Boo hoo! Are there not worse things in this world? Can't we move on? <laughs> Is this so wrong? Um, <laughs> Could I just make a disclaimer here, though? Yeah. You are a very humble man oh. in that regard, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, your comments are very endearing and humble most of the time. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> no, but the thing is, um, I'm I'm partly working with what I got, and if I got a certain look, and that look gets attention, then I, I'm 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 doing what anyone would do, which is just to put yourself out there and this is the shape that it takes form best form oh. <laughs> i don't know i'm struggling i'm struggling this is great no no i'm i'm hearing you i think what you're trying to say is you look like a jock and you do look i mean i'm here talking to you and looking at you okay <laughs> i agree <laughs> We've known each other for a very long time. You've been approached to be a model. I know that yeah. you wouldn't say this because you're the humble side of you. But yes, okay, fine. You're a bit of a flame. Not a bit. You're quite a flame <laughs> when you walk into a room. We get it. Oh, indeed. <laughs> let it out. Just let it out. <laughs> not jealous at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Um, and because if I've no, I think it's because people, and and I do this as well to other people. Like I said, in um, the simple kind of love reflection is that I pull chavs to what I want them to be, not who they actually are. I think people pull me back to what I look like but not what I feel like or am. And it's a hard, as social creatures, it's a hard force to contend with. And to portray myself as something different takes an enormous amount of energy, especially when I don't feel particularly confident in any other particular direction. I'm just kind of like, what? There's labels? Okay, what labels should I take? This one, maybe? Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm a sub, but I look like a top. So... And I don't like to bottom, so people ask me to top, and it's kind of like, what? What's going on here? Um, it's just. Geez, you really have a lot going on, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sub top in listeners. Figure that one out. No, there's many people. Well, there's some people like that, but it's a confusing dynamic. But it's it's a bit of um, yeah. I, I don't I don't inside. I don't actually know what what I am or feel comfortable in. Can I just say, I'm listening to this and I just think, well, just be free and be who you are. But I know that's being simplistic. I think that I'm listening to all of this thinking, 
whether I'm not aware or there's not as many labels for me in my orbit, I don't feel beholden to labels and being categorized. Like it's not as specific as I'm not just female and I'm not a bearess, otteress slash whatever the female equivalents might be. I don't think there's as many, maybe in the straight world, quote unquote, there's not as many labels and trying to fix you into a person type stuff going on. Or maybe there is, I'm just not entering into that much. I don't know. But I just think that as I'm hearing you, I just think, is it more there's a tyranny of trying to get yourself into a label when you're around so many labels compared with aren't you just being who you are and let's just be that without trying to fit into these ways in which the community around you sees you. And I think that's what this kink Instagram account is helping me do because if I was, now that I think of it, if I was left to my own decision, what I would really want to do is wear sports kit. I love sports kit. I love Nike shirts, Adidas shirts, trainers. That is, that is who I am. And that, that, that attire gravitates towards jock-like and therefore just out of sort of osmosis, is that, is that the right word? just out of sort of um, de facto or default, I then take, I then move into a jock-like uh, stance, but that's not particularly me either in a way. Or it is, and I'm discovering that as I go through. And I think that's what I'm discovering is that actually, I think I am a jock and I want to kind of take that and own it and be that. As I, I mean, I'm smiling as I say this, that's probably it. I think we, yeah, we hit, go, man. We hit gold. I'm a jock. Woohoo! <laughs> I start crying. Go like years, right of, years and years of pain and come out. <laughs> How's that, Mr. We'll McAllister? Oh, you never <laughs> believed me, Mrs. Melana. The Yokos? <laughs> <laughs> but I think I am a jock and it's moving into that and feeling that space and owning it and claiming it. But it's, it's, I'm struggling with a bit. Good. Good on you. Just go for it. Yeah, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. Ugh, I wish I enjoyed bottoming. <laughs> it would make life a lot easier. But you know what? I don't, and I don't hate that either. I think it's partly what makes me interesting, and it's my own particular thing, and it's my own stuff I have to work through, and it's brought me to some great places and more inventive, creative ways of being aroused. And I've met so many people who just are into some such a range of things that it's opened my eyes and it's 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 not a, it hasn't been simple sexually for me in that way and i've i like that i've really enjoyed that i love it i think it's fantastic <laughs> i just think that it's more and more what i love hearing all of this is that it breaks down all of these preconceptions that we have about sexuality what submissive means, what the stereotypes are, do no justice to what's actually going on internally. And you're a great expression of that. It's not you. You're breaking the stereotypes. I love it. Good. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I can't wait to see what you develop into because I know you're, you're new to this, but you're, the fact that you're changing your pronouns here and there, 
you're recognizing very subtle differences. And to me, that's you exploring deeper, deeper parts of yourself. And I, and I mean, knowing the mind you have, I think you're going to really uncover, embrace and explore these many subpersonalities and, and integrate them. Cause that, that's what it's already about is integrating this, that I'm not playing the jock role. I'm playing Michael. I'm playing, I'm not playing anymore. This is now Michael. I'm not playing the goddess, the your highness. I'm now just indie. That's the integration process, which I think we're all on. Yeah. And as far as I go, I've also got these contradictions because whilst I'm a dominant and absolutely I know that I like to dominate men, women, they, doesn't matter. My, my thing is similar to yours in the sense that whilst that's true, I love to be penetrated. Roughly. <laughs> so how does that fit with a dominant? <laughs> yeah. And again, it's the same thing of you don't fit into the, I don't fit into the classic dom mm. hovering over a man telling him his dick's useless, I don't want it, which is very true a lot of the time. I do feel that way. But other times I do want to have penetrative sex. And that's how, how can I, yeah, that's, that's something I'm trying to understand as well. Because submissives don't respond well to that. They're like, what? I thought you, I thought they think that having anything sexual with me is so far removed from possible. And that's all from pornography. Mm. I think that the big stereotypes in pornography is this high mistress walking around in platform shoes with leather circling this man and doing all of these things to him without ever um, having sex with each other. Yeah. Well, I sometimes do, but anyway, I'm contributing. Yeah. It, it's this, what I, what I think is happening is that we, we all live in the spectrum, but there are points when we meet people or when we do meet people, we have to manifest into a particular form and that particular form is an expression of what you feel like at that particular moment, given your particular circumstances at, at that particular time. So you do actually have to choose a certain persona. You do have to concrete into some form, into a label. And then what we're saying, I think, is that that label then dissolves back into the spectrum of, yeah, but I also like this, this, and this, and this, and this. And, oh, I've just met you, and now I have to manifest into a particular way to actually engage with you, at least initially. And I think that's what's happening. Mm. You know, I think it's the dynamic between the two people. They're both shaping into some shapes together based on the dynamic. That's right. It's like a part of what you're saying is it's like water. And then given certain conditions, these waves come out as shapes, like in the ocean. And then... As it responds to other waves. Yeah. And the conditions around them. Hmm. I think that that's a good place to end. It is indeed. Thank you so much for the discussion, this ramble. You too, Michael. <laughs> it was a very fun rambly ramble. Ramble locos. 
Oh no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that your attempt at being Australian oh. again? It failed. Oh, I failed yet. <laughs> but you know, that's clear. That's concrete. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Goodbye. Take care. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, if you would like to find out more, you can through our website, bdsmreimagine.com. Take care. Welcome back to BDSM Reimagined. I am Michael and this is... Hi, it's Indy. How are you, Indy? Oh, I'm great. Although I'm a bit sad. Ah. Today's our last episode of the season. Oh my, is it, has it come so quick? It has. It feels like we've we only just begun. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That sounded as scripted as we had planned. So well done, us. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is really sad. It is very sad. But I think we're going to end on a very good topic. What is it, Michael? What are we going to be discussing? Can I ever... Go back to just being vanilla. Mm. It's a good question. It's yeah. a hard question. Yeah, and I thought a good place to start is I think what I don't know if of others' experiences, but for me there was uh, an explore a discovery of kink. So I was vanilla. I was completely vanilla. In fact, up until the point where I discovered kink, I had been in a marriage. That was a very vanilla kind of marriage. How old are you now? Close to 40. I think I'm 39. Close to well, I'm turning, 40. I'm turning 39 this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which one is it, Indy? You're beating around the bush. <laughs> I'm mentally preparing myself for the big 4 row. <laughs> That's right. So you're almost 40 and you're saying that recently you have come into kink. How, how recent? This past year. Wow. Okay. You're, yeah. Yeah. And it was, it did feel like a coming out experience. Not that I'm really aware of what that's like in terms of other types of sexuality, but it really did feel like suddenly this massive door swung open that had always been there, but somehow I'd never stumble across the doorknob. And <laughs> it was just, it was this rush of energy. It was this explosive intense, intoxicating kind of, oh, it was massive. And it felt like it, the reason I describe it as a coming out experience is because it did feel like it was a part of me that had always been there that I'd never had the opportunity to open up. And so when we're talking about this topic and we're starting to think about can we ever go back to vanilla, for me it's something to ponder because it's sort of like you see another way of thinking about it is I often wonder about if you look at a world map mm. and you've always looked at this world map, it's, you know, you see the countries, the shapes, the vague sense of, yeah, that's the landscape of the world. And then someone comes up and really points out to you, look, there's India on the map. And you hadn't really noticed it, but now someone's pointed it out. Did you say India on the map? India. Oh, India. I thought, I thought there was a nice play of words there. <laughs> so someone says there's India on the map. <laughs> I just randomly chose a country, but yeah, close to my namesake. Yeah. 
And so then all, and then after, so then you can't help but see India after that. It's there. And, and so part of what we're going to be discussing today is once you've seen India, i.e. once you've become kinky, Actually, that's the first step because then you go into India, you go and explore the country, you go in and smell the sa- smells, you, you know, you, you immerse yourself, you're, you're in there. You, maybe you decide to go and live there. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I can't help but feel insulted. I'm just going to say it out loud. <laughs> oh, and I think you know why, Amy. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Unknowingly insulted you. This is not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing this for at least seven years. I'm in my God. early 30s. I'm 33. I know exactly how old I am, <laughs> and I'm proud. I'm in my early 30s, and I've been doing this probably since 26. And me and you have been talking so much over the last several years. And you know oh. how much I have been going on and on and on yes. about BDSM. Repetitive. There you go. <laughs> Very repetitive. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. It's good. It's a good place to be. But I'm wondering, why is it that, you know, if I was talking so much about BDSM and you were in a, and quite contently from what I recall, you were in a, in a vanilla uh relationship you you were with many many men no no you were with men (laughs) (laughs) and you've always had you spoke about your sex life it was was quite good and i was talking about bdsm what was it then which shifted you from listening to being engaged Mm. well actually it's interesting because when you were talking about it for those many years I just thought, what is he, what, what planet is he even on? Like, what is he talking about? How could that even be something that you'd want? Mm. How could you, I just could not wrap my head around it. I just, I was sort of like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, everyone has their thing. Yeah. I mean, you tried, you tried to, to keep engaged and stuff, but I, I, you know, well, well done for that. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, no, it, was, it was engaging and there was nothing. Mm. It's not like if I was being polite the whole time. Yeah, nice but anyway, so nice it was never something that resonated for me. It never felt like, oh, I wouldn't mind. That sounds like something I'd. It was just more, you're on another planet. You know, there's a whole chasm of deep space between us <laughs> <laughs> in terms of our sexual worlds. And so, yeah, I was very happy with vanilla. I'd had some good, bad, indifferent, great experiences in vanilla, but it had all been very up and down, straightforward, lots of missionary (laughs) or changing positions was a big thing, you know. Well, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to say that I'd never used a set of handcuffs, for example. And even vanilla people do. So I was very on the spectrum right at the end. And then when I had, I was like, no pornography, no, I don't want to have anyone there's like a threesome with my partner is outrageous. You know, all of these things were very. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember. What do you mean you get that woman? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I think, yeah, both on the very vanilla end, but also quite entrapped in some insecurities. But then I, as you know, I've mentioned I was married that 
all failed and ended. And so, oh, <laughs> I know. You have to say failed. That's a very <laughs> It's a very um, critical word. It's a loaded word. Well, look, yeah, it's all right. I'm comfortable with the fact that it sort of turned into a ball of fire. <laughs> so... <laughs> And it really did. That fire just lasted for a while, even once it was over. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And still has its little... Anyway. So... (laughs) I can still feel the heat. I can still feel the heat. (laughs) Hence why I'm now into kink. (laughs) Is it? Is it that? Do you think that that is... (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm laughing at the divorce. It's not finalised yet. We're still separated. It's not a divorce yet. (laughs) (laughs) Hence why it still feels so. You can probably tell that Indy and I are getting increasingly worked up into quite a laughing fit about the separation Indy's discussing here. We ourselves realise why and can't explain as much during this laughing bit. Normally, we would have edited this out, but decided to keep it in the episode as we feel it sticks true to the human quality of this show. If you do want to skip it, just fast forward to 10 minutes 15. Enjoy. Uh, Let's okay. <laughs> <laughs> play it quickly. Okay. Let's, can we just... We'll have so- to... Well, Just yeah, say, we'll um, cut that. We'll just it ended, edit. It didn't end well. <laughs> it didn't end well. <laughs> I think what's so funny is I've got such a cavalier attitude about it. <laughs> when you know the whole backstory is so bad. <laughs> I I've not laughed like that for so long. <laughs> oh, I've got to take my jumper off. It's little fires. It's like, no, it's fucking serious. <laughs> I'm completely minimising something that's absolutely <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh. Whew. All right. All right, let's let's um compose ourselves. Did you remember where we were? Okay, um, yeah, I, I think it was good when I said, okay, let's, okay, I know where to keep going because I think I said, all right, um, Michael, let's. And here we come back to the show. Do you think that because of this separation, it allowed you to open doors or uh, shifted your perspectives somehow into your sexual self? Yeah, Michael, I think that actually when I do look back that was the turning point or the very important catalyst, I think is the word I'd like to use there, is it was a catalyst. Up until that stage in my life, and particularly when it all ended, I just was in a new headspace around connection, intimate connection. And so I did go through a period of time where I was exploring a lot of different types of sexual experiences. Some of them were hookups, some of them were people who I'd see for a while. And what ended up happening is uh, because I'm an older woman, I was attracting younger men who have that sort of fetish of the older woman. 
And a lot of these younger men were either inexperienced or sort of relatively not as clued up. (laughs) So I would end up directing them a lot or I would be the one saying, I think we should do this or let's do that or move here or do that. And so this part of me that became more directive was very curious to me. I thought, well, I like this. I really like being able to be in control. I enjoy it. And then I knew there was something in me that felt like, it felt like there was the tip of an iceberg that I'd stumbled on. And it took a bit more exploration and some really fortunate encounters to uncover this great big kinky side, which I've been exploring ever since. Hmm. And increasingly moving into the dominant role. I've done switching and tried the submissive, but really do feel the, yeah, the dominant role is where a lot of my sexuality in my kink is, and my kink is, uh, lies. You mentioned that you've always had, you said that in your description, you said you've, this, this part of you, you've always had, were there any, was there any indication prior to your discovery uh, in your, quote, vanilla life that you thought, hmm, any stirrings, any thoughts? Yeah. So once I've now come into this, I've looked back at my life and thought the signs were definitely there. When I was a kid, I'd always be the one bossing all the other kids around, trying to get them to play the game I wanted. I also, in work and professional life, pretty much always was the manager, the boss, the person who got the the role where you were looking after the team and you were the one steering and driving. And that was very comfortable to me and something I really enjoyed. And so there is this streak in me of dominance. There's this streak of leadership. And your intimate life? In the intimate life, it wasn't so obvious. I think that I, I didn't really see that the two could be combined. I think that actually a lot of my conditioning as a female, speaking of my own conditioning, was more to be submissive. And I didn't even think about that as something that I was doing because I wasn't really aware of the power dynamics as much as I am now. Early on, I would just kind of do what the guy wanted because I thought that was what you're supposed to do, please the guy. So it never really got to a point where I think that vanilla never led to opportunities to explore this much more dominant side because men take up the dominant role, I think, when you're in vanilla. Yeah. I mean, you've been in a number of relationships and to be honest, typically the men that you have been with, the majority of them, not all, have been particularly dominant, more so than I think the quote typical stereotypical stereotypical male. I just think that's quite interesting how you've taken a role which is so dominant to in in, in that world now. Yeah, and I think this starts to point to for me when I think about going back to vanilla, or this sense of is kink where I'm at now is how much is my kink a response to a sort of pendulum swing against all of the dominant, strong personality men that I've been with. 
and making up for the fact that I'd been submissive or that I'd been controlled, quote-unquote. And so coming into this dominant role is a safe place. It's a place where I can be in guarantee that I'm not going to be controlled by a man. And so, yeah, it's, it's something that I do ponder. Is this a slippery slope? Are we saying here that for some of us, uh, it's more of a reaction against the deeper pain, therefore it's pathological, it's something which we can cure if we resolve the deeper tension? Is that what we're saying here? Ah, so I think that even the question you've had there is loaded with some assumptions yeah. about sexuality that we have to be careful with. I think that it's really important that, for me anyway, I can only speak of myself. I might have, I might have entered the kink world through some experiences that were difficult and conditions that came together that could look pathological, but it it's more about the intention once you're in. If you're doing if you're doing play with awareness and you're not suffering, if you're not when I do kink, I'm not feeling insecure or suffering or in pain. I'm actually enjoying myself the majority of the time. My approach to it is exploration and play and interest and curiosity in these different power dynamics and creatively thinking, oh, well, what if I did this? How would that work? Or that's really interesting that this is a, a kink that this guy's got. Let me see what that's like. Uh, so... You can be in BDSM. It's just how you are in it, how you are in your kink. Some people might be in it where they are replaying out. I think initially I was. I was, I was feeling safe and thinking, oh, yeah, this is great. I don't have to feel like there's any pressure to, to succumb to someone's dominance or control. And I was aware of that at the time to some extent, and that's okay. That's just what was going on for me. And uh, that's just how it looked for a while. And maybe I needed to, not needed to, but maybe it was something that helped to do some repair or healing. Or So it's actually a good thing. So it's, it's sort of saying that just because it may come out of uh, a sore place or wound doesn't necessarily mean it needs to stay there and try and resolve Correct. it. You, you can move on and therefore... I mean, it opened up doors to your the way you act and behave. And once those doors are open, you can start to live in the room rather than let the room live inside you, as it were. So Correct. Yeah. So, Michael, what I'm wondering is, you, you mentioned you've been doing this for seven years or several years. Can you tell us more about when it all first started for you or where you're at now with this idea of vanilla? It's actually... I, I was thinking, as, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking, when was my first, my truly first arousal around power? And it was in year six. Now, in mm. Australia, I think that's what, because um, I've lived in Australia. Now, in Australia, that's like about 10, 11. And I remember, I can, I, it, it's, it's, it's burned into my memory. I was coming out of a hallway of the schoolyard and there was a boy who unfortunately was bullied quite a lot. And I was one of those persons who would bully him. Trust mm. I'm not a bully. Like that was the only person I've ever 
exercised and explored power over in terms of bullying. But it was it was very heart aching, and he uh, went on his knees and he begged me, "Please, please, I'll do anything. Just stop, or just uh, I think he was saying, just be. I'm actually getting quite emotional. Just be um, friendly to me, or, or something like that." Mm. And I, he, he said, "That's right. I'll do anything. I'll do anything." And I actually felt arousal at that moment and it was of this picture of a person begging to essentially serve now I was always interested in magic and hypnotizing and controlling people I mean x-men was massive you can move things with your hands so to manipulate the world around you and control people. That was my favorite power. I wanted to. I wanted to control people's minds and move things. I wanted to be Jane, Jane Grey, or Professor X. Okay. That was my like wow. And me and a really good friend of mine, we used to, you know, enact physically enact battles between us of 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 imagination. Really, up until our late teens, we we were engrossed in. Magic was the main, the main, the main world. We played computer games all the time together, and it was all about that. But that was my first sexual arousal, and I think that actually preceded my arousal of of the other sex or the same sex. It's like my arousal towards power, my sensitivity towards power, preceded my sensitivity towards sexual attraction. Mm. Something like that. Right, so you can you can place that it was a very early on experience. Definitely, nothing happened later until my first partner, when I was about twenty twenty one. He was really into water sports, and I was really into trainers. And it was because of long distance I went traveling, and it was about eight months I had I had um, been apart from from this this guy, and out of horniness. You know, we used to you used to have the internet cafes. There was no phone, smartphones, internet cafes. You had to go when you had to dial up, and then yeah, I remember those oh, days. God, yeah, and then the connections would drop, so you couldn't do voice, or you couldn't do uh, video. Anyway, over emails, we would start to exchange more sexually charged scenarios, and we sort of came out that we liked piss and and train and sneakers. And that was really embellished. So that's where the fetish sort of interest came on. And then we started to play in the last several months of our relationship around with power dynamics. I told him I was really into Scallies, which is the Irish version. Well, that's how I knew it then. The Irish version of Chavs or, okay. or Bogans, if you'd use the Australian term, something like that. And he would uh, dress up in you know a singlet or a vest and have a beer bottle and enact that scene. And huh. we were playing with that. I had no words for it. No words. I didn't know anything about BDSM. If I did, it would have been about chains and bondage. But in terms of dom, dom and sub, no idea with that vocabulary. In fact, that never existed, that vocabulary, until I moved to London when I was 26. And how did you come across it there? Porn. 
Okay. Sorry to disappoint. No, uh, it, it was porn, but moving to London allowed me, similarly to you, to open doors in places where I wouldn't be watched by friends. I, I know I have a particular sensitivity to being watched by people close to me, and I and I, I won't shift my identity when I'm when I'm too watched. Anyway, I moved to London and I started to feel more safe wearing the clothes I wanted to wear and I was wearing more sport clothes and I was interested in that demographic. And I think because London, it's so sexually open, people on apps and things are all searching, searching for different things. And then it just sort of led, in, led into yeah. itself. So it makes sense. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, because if we pause here, on one hand, we've got someone you're describing yourself here as from an early age, you could feel that arousal with the power dynamic and then threaded throughout your life. There is actually BDSM going on, but you just don't have that label. And so one of us is maybe embodying that expression of uh, really actually engaging in BDSM, even if you didn't know it, from an early point in your sexuality. The other of us, myself, having only ever really been in vanilla kinds of relationships and only in this past year exploring kink. And I'm sure that there's others out there who are, you know, could identify with one or other of those paths. Having said that, I know that for me, even though I've only ever been vanilla, I can see points at time where there was kink or I've always had kink, but I've only ever really in sex purely been vanilla. Which raises the question about how much we're all kinky. And is it that conditions come together in life or parts of ourselves that that just then mean that this can be expressed and played out? So when we're talking about this question about can we ever go back to vanilla, maybe what we're stumbling on now is, is it that actually we're all kinky to some extent? And I don't think, I mean, I think it's the classic line. It's a spectrum. Sexuality is a spectrum. Kink is a spectrum. And that's, I think, the healthiest attitude and probably the most true attitude to have with all this. And some people may do kink and they think, yeah, I could do that for a while. I could do dom stuff, but I don't need it. And there's people like us, perhaps, who feel we do need it and we can't go back into a relationship, which is missionary. Well, a missionary's probably too aggressively the far away but where power play isn't the center of the exchange can you say more about the need you said the word need what's that like for you i have been wrestling for a while for about two three years i'm quite exhausted i mean i've had moments where i'm like yes i love i'm kinky i'm doing this stuff and that comes you know in and out of the week but as a whole, in the last two, three years, I've become really, I feel too over-focused. My needs are getting more specific. My needs are getting very subtle. No, it has to be this kind of shoe. No, they have to have this kind of attitude. And I think porn, not necessarily the pornography websites, because I don't really go on that often, but I think sites like Instagram and Twitter where we get more amateur porn, you get people in the real world uh, taking photos of themselves all the time in sexual ways has really amplified 
images has really empowered images to make things seem oh i want that because that that guy really exists wow he's doing exactly what turns me on mm. this is so it's out there and it's it's really uh excited me so i'm chasing these i'm chasing that i'm chasing this unrealistic presentation of a dom or of an alpha and that's really burnt me out so what's that been like for you then the more you've been in this the more specific it's become it's almost like the landscape of your mind is something you've become increasingly clear on and then out there in the world there's these promises of that all being met being met virtually online mm. but in the real world people are not perfect so it's been incredibly hard because i feel like i am um I'm a slave unto my own needs in a sense. Like I know that I love BDSM. Like I love domination submission. It really turns me on. Like I don't even need to think about it too much and I get really aroused by it. And that is absolutely fine, but I feel now it's just gone in such a momentum so far away. I can't help it. It's just it's just I've caught onto something and and the hook has gone straight into the ocean and I have to follow it deep inside the ocean. Yeah. If yeah, it makes, makes a lot of sense. So my efforts have been to go into a to rebalance my kink. And I'm trying to come back down to earth or you know come back down into the real world, meet men, have sex of all kinds, quote vanilla you know, maybe a few fetishes here or there, and just try and enjoy that physical contact, touching, smell, taste, sight, and just trying to come back down to that because I, as I said before, I'm overloaded with stimulus presented to me mm. online. Mm. And I'm sure that as you're talking, I'm, I'm sure there's a number of people who can relate to all of this because increasingly the accessibility of even the most otherwise obscure, relatively obscure, is now so much more available. Uh, yeah, and so what? where has this led you in terms of vanilla? Where are you at right now with it? I mean, just going back on that note, there's a guy who contacted me last week saying, can I pay you to step on something that you wear, like a bracelet, a jacket, and can I choose the type of shoe you do it with? Mm. And I'll pay you to buy that thing that you crush. And can you videotape it? So you can see here a kink yeah. that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong. But this is what he's seeking exactly. And I could, I can't help but feel... I can't help identify with him, but also I can't help but feel sad because if he's in a relationship with a man or a woman, isn't into that, but offers so much more, he's missing out on one of his deepest turn-ons. And that I really, I feel, I feel sad for, you know. Yeah. And I think that on one hand, I can see that, what, you, what you're saying there. On the other hand, however... There's never been anything like this in human history before where there's so much connection 
with others, groups that you can join. For example, uh, there was a group of people who really get turned on by balloons. That that's yeah. that's very hard to find in your community, I'm sure, unless you're looking globally. And so, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, yes, I understand that that kink isn't really being able to express on a very deep level with whoever that person might be with, man, woman, or other they. What I I think though is that yeah, but that's how probably it's been in human history. And I think we've fallen into that trap: nature versus nurture. On one hand, the, the, the arousal of being, something being crushed has always been there throughout history. I, I agree to that. I think that's true. But on the other hand, has it, become, has, it, has it had much of a greater gravity because there's more conditions which allow it to be aflamed? Yeah, exactly, because it becomes more solid and graspable in the current world we live in. And so, well, the illusion that it is obtainable. Correct. So, Michael, I'm just wondering where are you at currently with your exploration of vanilla and coming back to vanilla? It's a really good question. I mean, I mean, lately I've been thinking about it um, in the way of, of a forest in front of you, and kink is this tree that's growing. I'm at the moment trying to grow other trees nurture other parts of me so this Mm. pink tree doesn't dominate the skyline doesn't take over as such again it's not something that needs that that i'm scared will take over and it's going to destroy everything it's just at the moment it feels imbalanced so if i nurture these different parts of me then i think it's going to be much more holistic much more sustainable than positions that I've been in the past, where it's become obsessive. Yeah, I, l- I really love how you said that. And the key point there is cultivating, being able to cultivate a landscape that is much more balanced. That's correct. I mean, do you remember that time I called, I called you about five years ago? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and I said, Indy, I figured it out. All I want to be is a 24-7 slave. Yes, I remember that. And I'm not moralizing that. That is actually, that's absolutely fine for anyone to do. And in my opinion, it's fine for anyone to do if you have taken the time to investigate and explore your intentions. I'm all for extreme play. But I do think when it comes to things like giving over control and taking control, you need to investigate why you are so interested in this. Hmm. Here's a funny thing. I have had many uh, kink interactions over the several years. And I've had very few vanilla interactions. Now, for the last several months and again this could be i mean there's an epidemic you know covid there's lockdown many conditions are are at play here but i must say i am currently and this has been consistent as i said for the last several years i'm currently finding myself coming back to a vanilla sex exchange that i've Mm. had and 
that that really surprises me because with this particular person, I know this person represents an idea. I'm not going to say it's this person per se, but this particular person was is being very is very vanilla, okay. and part of what disrupted previous attempts is because I'm kinky and this person isn't, and I and I've personally thought. Oh no! I'll always be desiring kinky sex, but on the one hand, I really uh, liked this person, and it just fascinates me that I that I keep coming back to this particular exchange of intimacy, which was vanilla, and yet identify as a kinky individual. Yes, and I think importantly, and I'm not sure if this is where you're getting to some extent, is that. With vanilla, there are some really good things about it, that it's got deep connection, that it's got that vulnerability you can express, the the real sense of being connected to someone else who witnesses you. There's some really gorgeous, lovely things about being in a vanilla relationship when it's good. Big disclaimer. <laughs> and so when you're talking about the global pandemic, and the conditions currently in our world being uncertain and there's so much of uh, isolation and all of these things, I'm wondering how much that's playing a role in, understandably, gravitating towards those, those kinds of perfumes that come out of the vanilla relationship. I see. And I mean, if we can remove BDSM play from all the other needs of our mind, then I think it's absolutely amazing. But I think it's important to remember that we are a creature that has many needs, consciously yeah. or not. And we're trying to have a discussion here is is kink it or is vanilla it not not so strictly as that but we're having a discussion around mm. that and we have to remember that in sex many things are going on outside of power exchange and within the power yeah, absolutely. and what i'm coming back to i need to remind myself is that yes michael you have preferences you have a type and that's fine to have. That's normal to have. But you also need to keep your mind open to going outside what you think you'd like because you may stumble upon something that, it, that you actually need. Yeah, so that receptivity. Perhaps because you've got such a refined set of kinks, given that you've explored it for many years, you've had opportunities to play, there's the internet which really just concretes those specific subtleties, that then means you're stepping into vanilla with that shape of you being so defined, that kink shape. And possibly that's limiting you to other possibilities. And that's fine to accept because what I don't want to do and what I have done before is say, oh no, Michael, this isn't good. You you can't have this mentality. You're, you're damaged. You know, oh. you've got, you're too stuck in it now. It's like saying, actually, it's so normal to be conditioned by your environment. That's the kind of animal we are. But just keep gently pushing the possibility of 
other things interesting you, interesting me. And you, you may discover something more than what you think is all you are in, excited by. Yeah, correct. So I'll just throw a spanner into the works because for me, I, I'm increasingly disillusioned with vanilla relationships to the point now where possibly opposite to you, I've, I've been in the terrain of vanilla for very long and I'm, I'm more aware of the very concrete parts of it that feel like they're, they're, they're not something I want, that, I, that they're something that I need to be away from. That won't work. So, for example, when I really look at it, the types of things that are intoxicating for me in a vanilla relationship is that protective energy, that sense of companionship, that sense of someone who will be there to take care of me in hardship. A leader, almost. No, not even a leader, just someone who's there as a soft place to fall when there's things in life that are difficult. Someone who's there to uh, just feel like you've got someone else alongside you in this life and the sorts of things and bumps in the road that come up. So uh, I've up till now in my life been very intoxicated by that. And there's been moments or periods in relationships where that's exactly how it's felt is that I've, I've had this companion. However, Maybe because I've just come out of a marriage and I feel quite disillusioned, I just see that that's all just a temporary set of conditions coming together that lead to a relationship feeling that way temporarily. And importantly, you, you need to actually be in yourself quite able to find safety and protection within yourself, that a relationship is a false refuge that you need to find that refuge of safety within yourself. But isn't, I mean, I agree. I actually do agree with a lot, a lot of what you're saying. But aren't you now recreating your view on what a relationship is? And what you're saying is you're actually becoming disillusioned with an old view that you had relationships were or should be or have been presented Correct. to you. And now you're creating a new view, kind of relationship, that involves vanilla, that involves monogamy, exist in a new view and a new perspective that you have on how you relate within a relationship? Yeah, I think that that's something that I'm increasingly open to, just like what you're saying with your kink and having to be flexible and receptive. I'm increasingly open to, okay, I've got to be flexible and receptive to vanilla. Uh, but the, the, very importantly, though, the, where I'm at with it is that I, I have a big disclaimer on that. I don't know about monogamy anymore. I think consensual non-monogamy seems much more sustainable. And up till now in my life, what the pattern has been is I've been in a long-term monogamous relationship. It's fallen apart. It's become either toxic or unhealthy or just the dynamics have become a difficult more than good. And so I've thought, okay, end that and learn, regroup, look for a healthier choice in a partner. Whereas now what I'm thinking is that's not the only option. You don't have to just look for a long-term monogamous relationship. And importantly, the kink world is helping open up a lot of other possibilities for me, consensual non-monogamy, 
or actually just being purely in a kink connection where you have your own independent life. That's what I think really works for me is you have your own independent life, do what you want, live where you are, have your friends. I think that's really healthy. Just just be comfortable without anything more than what you have in your life. And then, yes, there's a kink connection that I can have on the side of that as maybe a place I enter and then come out of rather than feeling like I need to wrap around me or have then integrated into my life a person that when I've done that in the past has always led to either resentments or insecurities or whatever else. So in keeping with the show's title, I think we've beaten around the bush Mm. enough. Do you, Indy, think you can go back to a vanilla relationship? No. I don't think I can. I think it's something that, no. No, I don't think I can. Michael, what about yourself? What's your response to that very same question? I don't think I can either. (laughs) Okay. So we are stuck. (laughs) Stuffed. Yeah. Stuck for another season at least. And that is, I think, a really good note to end on because there is much more to say about kink and this world that we're exploring. That's very true. It's It's a wrap. wrap. See you next time, everyone. See you guys. (laughs) 